The following episode was recorded live on YouTube for Adulting.TV Live. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Hello and welcome to this episode of adulting.tv live. And today we have Aaron Lowry from Broke Millennial. Welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we are glad to have you on. So why don't you tell me a little bit of your story and everybody else here, a little bit of your story to begin with. Uh, Why are you the broke millennial? Well, I should probably preface this by saying I've never actually been broke. Oh, no. Which is a confusing moniker then. (laughs) And part of the reason that I originally picked broke millennial as a term is that it was to the millennial generation. And even at times of my life where I still had some money in savings, I was kind of living in a self-imposed brokenness, if you will. Um, When I first moved to New York City, which was right out of college, I was working three jobs to make ends meet because I didn't want to touch my savings account. So I was definitely living, I was living uh, below the poverty line in terms of income at that phase of my life as well. So I was definitely living in kind of a self-imposed level of brokenness, even though there was money that should things go wrong, I could access. And so for me, the blog itself, Broke Millennials, the blog started out of talking to a bunch of my friends who hated talking about money. And I was very fortunate to grow up in a household where money was not taboo. We were talking about it from when I was a really little girl all the way through college. And so it just seemed kind of second nature to me and I understood how it worked. So even at times of my life where it was scarce, it wasn't stressful. And that's something that I found very important to pass on to people is that even in times of your life where, you know, you are living in that paycheck to paycheck cycle, you are just barely scraping by, it doesn't have to be as stressful as you think. Okay. So what are some of the things then that, that you can do to make it less stressful if you are living paycheck to paycheck? I mean, how, how do you get beyond that stress? Because, um, I, you know, I know people in my own life who uh, are still stressed about money, um, and because they are living paycheck to paycheck, or even some of them aren't quite living paycheck to paycheck. They have a little bit extra, but they still worry and they still stress about, uh, what happens if something goes wrong. Absolutely. Part of that is mindset. I think some people are natural worriers. It's hard to take that out of your relationship with money. So that's an entirely separate process, really. But with the paycheck to paycheck specifically, the starting point is knowing your cash flow. Fancier term is budgeting. But before you even get to the budget, you have to know your cash flow. You have to know exactly how much is coming in and how much is going out. Take the time to sit down, have a money date with yourself. If you're in a partnership with someone you live with or in a long-term relationship or you're married, bring on that other person as well. But sit down, write exactly how much is coming into the household, particularly post-tax because that's the money you're actually getting to spend. And then exactly all of your expenses, including your ideas of like how much you're going to be spending on groceries and if you have a pet and all of those kind of uh, variable costs, if you will. And then see, are you ahead or are you behind? You know, are you coming out already in the red just from point one or not? And then you're figuring out how to set up your budget from there. And then you're also moving on to what can I do to be earning more? 
Yeah. And I think a big part of this has got to be tracking your spending. I mean, you're talking about, well, are you looking at your cash flow? Are you cash flow positive? Are you already in the red? And if you're already in the red, I don't know, maybe you should be worrying and uh, moving or, or at least, you know, changing the way you do things. And I think part of that is really tracking your expenses, sitting down and saying, okay, uh, what did I spend this money on? And then saying, why did I spend this money? Uh, because you need to get to the bottom of that situation and say, okay, why am I spending this money? Is it something that I really need? Is it something that's really enhancing my life? And can I stop spending it so that I don't end up in the red all the time? And so much of it is mindless. And I think that's the most important part. You know, lattes get a lot of the heat in the personal finance community. And I personally love my lattes. I actually budget for them so that I can go out and have one. But a great example is my boyfriend and I were running his cash flow a couple of months back, and he's a teacher. And I noticed that when he was talking about his expenses, I was like, something's not adding up. There's some amount of money that's just disappearing out of your pocket that you're not aware of. So we kind of started talking through everything he spends money on, and he goes, Oh, well, I do buy lunch almost every day. I'm like, okay, but how much is that? It was eight to 15 bucks a pop. And that adds up fast, especially when you're in a situation where a hundred bucks in your budget makes a big difference. Now for some people, if you're earning, you know, $150,000 a year, who cares about an $8 lunch because you might be living below your means in other ways. So that's something that's worth it to you and your budget. But if your budget is a little bit tighter, hundred bucks makes a big difference. Yeah, that's really true. And I think, you know, going through, like you said, a lot of it's mindless. We don't pay attention to uh, what we're spending money on. One of the things that I really liked uh, last time I talked uh, to Carl Richards, the author of The Behavior Gap and the One Page Financial Plan, is he he was talking about how whenever you're at the store, whenever you're getting ready to make a purchase, uh, stop and look at it and say, that's interesting. <laughs> and kind of think about why are you making this purchase and what does it say about you and your priorities? Uh, because the other, the other thing is, so often the things that we pay for now uh, are going to keep us from doing what we want to do later. That's so true. It, to me, it's also interesting kind of on the Carl Richards point, if you are a parent right now and you want to be thinking about a way to teach that to your child, my parents made us pay 50% of anything that we wanted growing up. So if we were at you know, any sort of store and I saw I love stuffed animals as a kid, and if I saw a stuffed animal that I just had to have and I asked for it, my dad would say, okay, but you have to pay 50%. So if it's a $10 stuffed animal, $5 when you're eight years old is a lot of money. Right. And nothing taught me impulse control quite like thinking and I would carry the stuffed animal around the store the whole time my parents were shopping. And at the end, I'd be like, is this worth $5? <laughs> and so often I would put it back. And it's just amazing to me that at that age, they were teaching me how to make those checks and balances in my head. Yeah. And that's actually something um, I kind of do with my son is there are certain things that if he wants, he has to pay for. He has to buy his own video games. I'm not buying his video games for him. You know, there, he, when he goes out with his friends to go to the arcade or go get pizza or whatever, whatever it is they do on a Saturday afternoon on their bikes, like he has to pay for that himself. Yep. So he has to decide, well, is the money that I'm spending on this video game that I'm going to be bored of next week, is that worth 
missing out on pizza date with my buddies. And so he kind of has right. to weigh that. And, and then part of that too is, you know, with his, the money that he gets, he also has to, you know, budget for charity and budget for long-term savings. Like he's, he's got, he's got a, he's got an investment account. He's 14 years old and I've made him have an investment account that he puts money in, but That's amazing. I think it's good because, um, it, it makes him stop and think about what he's doing. Yeah, definitely. So if you do want to break the paycheck to paycheck cycle and you started tracking your spending, you're starting to cut back, uh, what are some of the other things that you can do next to kind of move forward and, and get out of that, that financial rut? So we just kind of touched on it, but the next thing is priorities. And what is it that A is kind of holding you back and where do you want to be? And be really specific and actionable about that. Don't just have kind of pie in the sky like, oh, I'd like to have extra money. How much extra money? What is that money going to? Sorry if you hear that noise. My dog is uh, getting a little sick. You okay? Yeah. He's older. He has a little heart condition, so he coughs sometimes. Um, but back to the point is so you have to think about your priorities, write them down, have backwards planning on how to get to them. And especially if you have debt, I think the big two just right off the bat are debt and savings. So a lot of times people prioritize one over the other. I think in, they need to be a little bit in tandem because if you have debt, you don't want to be completely eschewing savings and saying, oh, I'll worry about that when I get there, when all the debt is paid off. Because if you don't even have a basic emergency savings fund and something goes wrong, that debt's just going to pile right back up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the standard amount, if you have debt, people say $1,000 is a good buffer. I think $1,000 is a good buffer if you're single. I think if you have a child or a pet even, because, you know, like my dog all of a sudden has had chronic health issues, so that gets expensive. Mm-hmm. I would say about 1500 to 2000 is a better bet if you have children or if you have a pet. Once you have those goals in place, then you start putting money aggressively towards that. And sorry, I know people hate to hear it. You have to have a budget and you have to find the budgeting style that works for you. That's the other key here. Yeah. And yeah, I'm with you. I hate budgeting. It's my, it's the thing I hate probably more than almost (laughs) anything, but so when I was in debt pay down mode though, I did, I did the zero based budget and mm-hmm. every dollar had a job and I aggressively paid down debt. And when I was in that space where I needed to get out of that situation, uh, that budgeting was very important. Uh, now that I've kind of got beyond that and I am living within my means, I have a different you know, a different way of doing things. I have my, I call it my spending plan. And basically I have, I have my list of priorities that just need to be covered. Uh, the retirement, the housing, my son's 529, groceries, insurance, all that stuff, right? All of that stuff are the priorities and it's automated and it's accounted for. And then the rest of the money I can spend on whatever I want, as long as I'm tracking it. So I don't overspend and I just spend until it's gone. And it's so interesting that you call it your spending plan. That's a more empowering version. I do the exact same thing, but I call it the no budget budget. Nice. Which is a bit confusing in its title, but it's pretty much exactly what I do. I'm like, here are my expenses. This is how much I need. Whatever's left in my checking account after I've done all of these priorities and my savings, I can spend. And one of the, the kind of extra layer I add for myself as kind of a mental check 
is I will pay off credit cards once a week so that whatever is in my checking account accurately reflects what I can actually spend for the rest of the month. We can get into a whole down a whole rabbit hole about credit scoring when you should pay off your credit cards and that whole thing. But I will say I have a high 700s have broken to the 800s and this is the method I have used. So before people get all up in arms about that, I feel like it's an important disclaimer to put out there. And I think of course, it's always better to not be overspending to keep yourself from going into debt than to get your panties in a twist about your credit score. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I think in general, when you are making sure that you make your payments on time and you're you know not constantly missing payments and when you're following those good habits those good financial habits your credit score will usually follow along with it as long as you are using credit but like you said that's that's a exactly. subject for a completely other day <laughs> So, yeah, so now that, that be a whole different <laughs> So now that we so now we have our spending under control and we know our priorities, uh, what's the next thing that we need to do to make sure that we're no longer living paycheck to paycheck? The big thing, of course, is earning more. And yes. you know, the the theory being you can spend less and save more, or you can also earn more. And I always would emphasize it should focus more on earning more. Side hustles are great, great way to do it, picking up extra jobs. But the other thing that's killer is learning how to negotiate. And I think that that's a not often talked about an incredibly important skill for anybody to have, especially for someone who might feel like, I cannot pick up another job. Life is too stressful. I'm working too much at my current job as it is. Okay, then learn how to negotiate at your current job. Figure out what it is that you can do to be earning more money. And maybe it's not even necessarily salary. Maybe it's also about your benefits package. Maybe there's something there that you can be doing that if your employer is paying more for your health insurance, that still decreases how much you have to be spending on that. So it's money you can save. And the other thing is, are you saving the money you're saving? That's a little confusing. That you not just negotiate with your employer to get more payment, you call your cable company that's bundled with your internet and your phone, and you slash cable so you're saving $50 a month, and you do all the things that personal finance experts tell you to do, and you open up $120 a month in your budget. Where is that money going? Is it actually going towards your goals, or is it meandering just floating around in checking so you actually end up spending it? I think that's a common mistake that people make as they go and they get excited and they bring down all these payments and they open up all this extra money, but then they don't actionably do something with it. Important thing to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. A, a lot of people, you know, they get into the, the extreme couponing or these other ways of, oh, well, I'm going to save this money. Or, you know, you know, but, but are you saving money? Are you really, are you banking it? Are you putting it somewhere towards your goals? Or are you moving it toward financial freedom? And my favorite, when you talk about saving money, my favorite are the people who are like, I saved 50% off on these shoes. And I'm like, no, but you didn't. <laughs> you still spent money. <laughs> <laughs> you spent money. That was spending money. Yeah. Unless you were planning on, unless you've been planning on buying those shoes for the last two months and you've been looking for the good deal and you know you've needed to buy these shoes and you're going to use them for work or whatever, you didn't save money. You still spent. <laughs> yep. And I had a CFP professor who also used to say it would irk her when someone would say, I made 800 bucks in the stock market last month because she would say, oh, you sold your stock? And they would say, no. And she goes, then technically you didn't make anything. You haven't made anything. <laughs> <True. until you're laughs> it. It's just on paper for now. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. Okay, so what are you, know, you talked a little bit about the side hustles and the negotiating? What are some of the other ways that you can do to maybe get a little um, extra cash? Ooh, other than negotiating and side hustling, I feel like those are the big two or completely switching your job. I think that's the other factor here is that if you're underappreciated, undervalued at your current job, start looking around. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point Um, for you to go to the table with your boss if you have another offer, but you could just be looking to earn more by switching employers, which very millennial of me to say job, job hop. And the other thing is consider investing in an education that can do something to push you further along in your career. So if there, if you could go, for example, general assembly and learn how some basics of coding, and that's going to help you maybe not specifically in the career you're in now, but maybe it could help you pivot and do something different that could earn you more money. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, you know, they're looking at, uh, right now they're looking at, there's like a skilled labor shortage right now. And there are a lot of jobs out there, um, in healthcare and then also in kind of the skilled labor fields where you can make a pretty decent wage and it only takes between nine months and two years to get the proper certification. And these schools are often less expensive than, you know, getting a traditional four-year education. And a lot of people discount you know, that possibility. There's also many scholarships or probably more scholarships available for those jobs than you would think. And like Mike Rowe, for instance, from Dirty Jobs, he's really big into promoting trade work and trade skilled labor. And so he has an entire foundation that offers scholarships for people who are interested in those fields. So another thing to check out if you want to further education, but can't necessarily pay for it, don't want to go into debt for it, there could be scholarship opportunities as well. Yeah. And this might be getting a little into the realm of the weird, but I had a friend for a while who, because you can donate plasma twice in any one week period. (laughs) You can get up to, you know, depending on where you go, it's 25 to $50 a a time. And he went to a place that paid $30 a time. And so he would go twice a twice a week basically and get a 60 bucks a week to donate blood plasma. And he did that. He did that faithfully for like three months until he, and he used that money to like build up that emergency fund you were talking about to kind of like give him that start to get going. I don't think that he would have been able to like sustain that as like a side gig for any long period of time. But but it's one way that he found that he could do something temporarily just to um, get that foundation built and and kind of kickstart his his efforts. And the other thing too is you can start selling things that you no longer have use for. So if you start purging things out of your house, whether it's clothes, you know, technology, anything that you're not really using, and you can sell it on you know Craigslist or sites that eBay is another big one, of course, but even sites that are more niche to whatever it is that you're selling, that's just kind of an easy way to pick up a little extra cash here and there as well. Yep, there we go. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Where can our audience find you? Yes. So you can find me on Twitter at Broke Millennial or on Instagram at Broke Millennial Blog or on Facebook. It's also Broke Millennial. And shameless plug, yes. May 2nd, which is available for pre-order right now. So if you go on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and just type in Broke Millennial, it'll pop right up. 
And why pre-order? A, because it's cheaper right now. Instead of $15, it's $10.10. Um, so that's one reason. And the other reason is it helps make sure it gets on bookshelves around the country if you pre-order. So if you're going to order it, do it now. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Remember that you can check out adulting.tv anytime. Uh, we've got plenty of articles and videos that you can check out. And of course, our podcast episodes, including when we do wonderful interviews with our guests. So it's always great to have guests. Remember, check us out at adulting.tv. We are also on Facebook. Uh, just search adulting.tv and you should be able to find us and our community. Uh, thank you so much for watching. And until next time, remember to behave like a grown-up. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.